Amber, what are you drinking? Well, Amanda, so I'm being lame. I guess it's not really lame. I'm drinking water. No, a lot of people drink water. I'm trying to get right with myself. (laughs) However, I'm drinking water out of this veterans drinking vodka cup. Oh, that's a nice cup. Also, that I got from these cool people I know. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They like to send you surprises. They do. And they send me surprises all the time. (laughs) That's what I'm drinking today. What are you drinking, Amanda? Well, I'll have a surprise for you today. It's going to be pretty, I think it's pretty cool, but uh, it's the Appalachian. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Appalachian, Appalachian. Is anyone from around there? So we grew up where I grew up. We had a town called Appalachian. I don't think it's Appalachian. Right. It's spelled the same way, but they say Appalachian. Uh, So like the Appalachian mountains and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's Tennessee based, maybe. Anyways, it's their brand and it's a sipping cream and it's a pumpkin spice latte sipping cream. And so it's like, here, I'll hold it up, even though we're just audio most of the time. But it's, I just put it in this little glass and then I just sip on it. It's like a, almost like a Kahlua kind of texture, but it's, it's thicker. No, it's about the same as a Kahlua, but it's flavored. They come in all different flavors. The banana pudding one is pretty good. And yeah, I would try that one. I don't do pumpkin spice. I think it's disgusting. Oh, well, you know, it's basic white girl season, and that's what my DNA says I am. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm but- not. <laughs> <laughs> my ancestry came back and said basic white girl. So pumpkin spice season it is. Well, you sip on your pumpkin spice sipping cream then. Well, and it's pumpkin spice <laughs> latte, so it's not yeah. as bang in your face of pumpkin spice because i don't i don't like super pumpkin spice but i do like a hint of it so but the latte it also tastes like coffee so it's like a pumpkin spice iced coffee coffee. (laughs) that is a high percentage of alcohol i don't know exactly what it is i don't have the bottle in here but yeah you try a different flavor and then will you let me know if it's worth getting yeah the banana cream one is fantastic Okay, that's, I would try that one. Or it's banana pudding. Sorry, not banana cream, banana pudding. But it's fantastic. And it's really good. I'm not going to tell you how I know this, but it's really good if you put it in your sipping glass and then you get some of that whip shots that Cardi B has recently come out with, mm-hmm. the vanilla. So it's banana pudding sipping cream with Cardi B's whip shot whipped cream, which is 10% alcohol. It's like vodka whipped cream. Whippets. That takes whippets to a whole new level. You can get high yeah. and whip it and then get drunk from it. <laughs> it is too. Like we we've recently discovered those up here in North Dakota. So every weekend we're like, oh, who wants a shot of whipped cream? And we're like little kids running around squirting whipped cream in everyone's mouth. <laughs> but it's the grown-up version, so it's a lot more fun. This too, the sipping cream you can dip cookies in, and it's kind of like cookies yeah. and milk. I'm gonna have to try it. Yeah. Definitely the banana pudding one. We tried the orange, electric orange one the other night, and that one was pretty good. It like an like orange a, creamsicle? Yeah. It was creamsicle-ish. Mm-hmm. And then they have a strawberry one, and that tastes like the those strawberry gummies. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, fruit snacks? Not a fruit snack. Like the strawberry candy gummies you get at the gas station, where they're like red with like the solid white bottom. It's a gummy. I don't know. 
but that's what that tastes like. <laughs> but they have a million different flavors. There's like a butter pecan. There's an eggnog one out right now that we want to try, but you can't get that one in a like a sampler size. So I haven't got it yet because you have to buy the whole I wanna, pint. I bet the butter pecan one is real good too. Yeah, they have that one in a sampler, but I haven't got that one yet. They sell them like in the pint jar and then like the more popular flavors, they'll sell in like a little shooter. So you can right. try them before you have to like commit to a whole pint. But I think I could confidently commit to like a whole pint of butter pecan. Yeah, I think so. And once you open them, they're good in your refrigerator for six months. So oh, you have you time. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to you don't have to rush through it just to get through it because it stays good. It says it recommends six months in the refrigerator after opening on the label. So it's That's really cool. probably good for a year, but anything over six months, you can't sue them anymore. Or you probably could. They just might be extra fermented. Yeah. Or, <laughs> like like if they know. make you sick after six months, it's not the company's fault because they told you it stays good in your refrigerator right. for six months. <laughs> Well, welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka or Sipping Cream or Water this evening. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell it. We have found that being a service member is easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Brad Hughes. Good evening, ladies. Good evening. Good evening. Brad served in the United States Army from 2011 to 2021 as a 68 Charlie. How are you doing today, Brad? And what are you drinking? I'm good, ladies. And unlike you guys, I don't try to kill myself. So I just got a Coca-Cola, just a regular, no, uh, non-alcoholic. Um, we like non-alcoholic just as much as we like <laughs> vodka. I have to work tomorrow. So, you know. Gotta keep on moving. <laughs> I'm on those winter hours up here in North Dakota. I ain't got shit to do tomorrow. Right, Brad, where are you from? And can you tell us a little bit about how your story started? Yeah, so I was originally born um, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I was an Army brat. My dad did 26 plus years in the 82nd. Um, my parents split. We moved to Missouri. My mom got remarried, and I joined right out of St. Peter's here in Missouri. Went to basic at Fort Jackson. AIT went to Fort Sam Houston, Texas, where I did whiskey school and Mike Six at the time, but now it's a Charlie. I was in reserves as well for about a year, and then I flipped over to active duty um, when my wife joined. Um, so we could be stationed together. We had kids, so it was easier to manage family life and work life if we're in the same state. So you joined as a reservist, and then... Was your wife already active duty and then you joined active to be able to co-locate with her or did she exactly. join and then you went active at the same time? So when I so when I met her, she was not in the service. So we got married. She went off on active duty. I was still reserved. So I stayed back with our oldest son. And then once she finished AIT and basic, I put in a conditional release to reserves. And it's a whole process. It's got to go up the chain. It took like six, eight months. Um, and it was a whole hot mess nightmare i don't okay. recommend <laughs> yeah i think every branch is like that when my brother originally joined the army he went in as a reservist but he i don't know when probably in boot camp is when he decided that he wanted to be active duty and so after boot camp he went to school and dirt while he was in schools when they were working on all this paperwork so that he could be active duty 
duty at some point. I don't know. Yeah. How think- all of that went. I just know that he originally went in as a reservist. And I don't know about the reserves, but I know like to get a conditional release in the Navy at, from active duty, like that's a process too. If you need a hardship or we had one girl that I served with that she, she actually pulled some, some sweet ass bullshit, but she <laughs> found this program, this weird program where as a sailor, an enlisted sailor, you can get into this program where they let you cross over to be an officer in the Marine Corps. But to, so you have to go through like all this stuff, like you have to have like all the fitness tests and you you know, the Marine standards, which are higher than the Navy standards and then like boards and recommendations. And I mean, like all kinds of, I feel like there's easier ways to get out of the military than how she did it. But what the Navy has to do for you to transition over to the Marine officer program is they have to give you a conditional release from the Navy and then you get your Marine Corps commission. So once she had those documents that said you are no longer part of the Navy, she just never checked into the Marine Corps. There was nothing they could do because she had official like discharge papers from the Navy. So. Oh yeah. I got discharge papers and everything. Like when I was over, they had to like kick me out and then I had to read, go through MEPS and everything. Everything like you have to, it's like starting over, but it was, you know, she had been accepted for the Marine Corps commission. And so once she, they approved all her stuff, it got her off the boat. She got her discharge and then boom. I just got pregnant to get off she the never boat. showed up. <laughs> yeah. I think she just wanted out of the service more than anything. But I was like, I feel like there could have been an easier way to do it than to be like. Easier. Yeah. It was, it was a little tricky. I was like, okay. Refocusing for ourselves because we are infamous for tangents, which is okay. And why I love our podcast. We are so we know why you went active duty. Why did you join the army in the first place? And why did you decide to do 68 Charlie? So originally, straight out of high school, the Marines came up to our high school and they had the pull-up bar. And I'd knocked out like 20 and he was like, Hey son, like you need to come into my office. Like I was like, Okay, cool. Like and he started talking about how much money I was gonna make and this and that. And I almost joined the Marines. But I went home and I talked to my parents first and they were like, hey, try out college. Like, cool. And I did like two or three years of college and I was like, mom, this isn't working. It's not for me. I'm not cut out. I'm not in the mindset right now. So I always knew I was probably going to go army because my dad was in the army. My grandpa was in the army. Like, so it was like a family lineage. I thought that I would do 20 years, but there's different plans in the network. And, you know, did they ever tell you to not go army and to go air force? No, so my dad was like kind of my biggest backer because he knew at that point I was working like fast food, not, you know, trying to go to college, getting in debt off of student loans. And he's like, hey, like, you need to figure it out. I was like, well, I think I'm going army. And so he was like, give me all these pointers like, oh, if you go in there, they don't have the job that you want. Walk out. And I was like, dad, what are you talking about? Like, they're going to like put me in prison or something. You know, I'm like 18, (laughs) 21 years old. At that point, I was like, okay, but I was like, okay, he's been there. He's done it. So let me listen to him. So when I went in there, I took the ASVAB. They were like, okay, you scored really high. So then I went down to MEPS and did all that stuff, took the real ASVAB. And they were like, hey, you can pretty much have any job you want. I can't remember what I scored. And I was like, okay, these are the three that, you know, my dad's like, do your research beforehand, like have three in mind. If they have any one of those three, take them. 
and it was like a cook a truck driver and like some bath and laundry specialist is what they came at me with and i was like well i don't want to do any of those because i was like i'm reserved like i need something that'll translate right now because before that i hadn't met my wife or anything like that so i was thinking about me you know like where what am i going to do when i come back like i don't want to go back into the same job i'm in um so I turned around and walked out and the recruiter was like, oh, you just wasted, you know, Sam's money and all, all our time and stuff. And like within like probably 15, 20 minutes, they called me and they were like, hey, you wanted a 68 whiskey. We got you a 68 whiskey, Mike six, pretty much the same thing. And I was like, OK, cool. Like, where do I sign? So then I went to whiskey school and I was like, oh, this is where I need to be. Like you're doing gunshot trauma, like on the X, like chest wounds sucking chest wounds all that stuff like i was like yes like the blood and gore and the guts and you know just like, I was the like movies. Okay, I actually, yeah i can actually like save somebody like on the spot like cool this is where i need to be and then i graduated that and then we were kind of like holdover status down at fort sam so they kind of just stuck us off in the back burner and was like hey we don't know what to do with you so then went through mike six school and i failed like four of the first five tests and they were like hey if you fail one more like you're going to get recycled to whatever. I was like, Oh gosh. So then I had to actually get my studies right. And then I actually ended up liking it. I was a nurse in there for 10 years. And then even on the outside, since I've been out, but now I'm not anymore. So, <laughs> so when you <laughs> first got out with the LPN certification from the army, did it transfer over to the civilian side or did you have to recertify? It did. It kind of did. Cause we did a Texas license. We took a Texas board of nursing cause it was based out of San Antonio, Texas. So then when I moved back to Missouri, I just had to do like fingerprints and pay like fees and stuff. And then it eventually transferred over. And that was good as gold to get anywhere pretty much working that I wanted to. Yeah, because you hear that both ways. Some people are like my medical certifications from the military didn't transfer over. And some people are like they did transfer over. So it's I don't really know what the... that's kind of like with us as air traffic controllers. It doesn't transfer no. over to the FAA. You got to go to FAA. Yeah, you got to go back to school. Yeah. Yep. They send you to Oklahoma City to go into that field, even if you you can have 20 years experience and you're like, I'm going to get out of the air traffic controller. And they're like, you got to go back to the beginning and good luck. And then the same thing with flight dispatch school, because we're all trained flight dispatchers as air traffic controllers. And you've got to go back to school and certify for that, too. And guess what part I failed? <laughs> the air traffic control part. Both of us, there was two of us in there that were air traffic controllers in my flight dispatcher school and I was pre-military or prior military and he was prior FAA like he worked at Boston Center like he was a legit controller he wasn't like a jig jack boat controller he, he was, like I was well, I was gonna say he wasn't a Ramona Towers no 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 he was he was what legit like like he worked he worked Boston Center and before that he was a flight attendant for American Airlines so he had all his ducks in a row to do good things. And we both failed the air traffic control portion of that test. <laughs> we were like, what the heck? And the instructor was like, no, that's normal. I guess all air traffic controllers that go through that class fail the air traffic control portion because it's by the book from a pilot's perspective. And it's not how air traffic control is really done in the field. So it's like, I don't know, textbook, not real life, but it's whatever. They still gave me my license. So it's all good. What were your duty stations? And did you have a favorite? So the first duty station was Fort Benning, Georgia. That was the first one out of active duty. I don't really include the AIT and basic and 
Um, and then we were there for about four years and then a whole cluster happened and we were supposed to go to Germany, um, re-enlisted for it and everything. And our orders got canceled. So they gave us Fort Bragg instead. So I will say probably Fort Bragg was probably my favorite because we bought our first house there. You know, I ended up having two kids there. Yeah. So, so you, when you joined the army, you joined as a family unit. So I imagine your army experience was a little bit different than your typical jig jack that goes to army boot camp and just gets out and goes wild. Like, yeah, had, no, so no, 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 I didn't. You had stuff going had, on. I already had the <laughs> wife. I already had uh, a son at that time when I, when she joined active duty, he was five years old. He was from a previous marriage, but I adopted him and everything. Um, so it was me and him. So I went from fresh out of the military, you know, just worrying about myself to, hey, the wife's gone. So now it's just me and my child. And I got to hold down home while she's off at boot camp and AIT and still working a full time job, still got house duties, still got reserve, you know. So it was right. a whole village to kind of in that time. I had a lot of family support here. That's why we kind of moved back here because all my family, all my mom, my brother's sisters. So everybody kind of lended a helping hand when they had to watch kids and stuff. But yeah, being dual military, it is rough. And I commend anybody that does military alone even. But as a dual military, we were in the same unit, um, different companies. So like if they had a UA, if she had a UA, I had a UA. So, you know, at 430, I'm rolling up with, you know, three, four kids. <laughs> to pee in a cup you know you just got to do what you got to do Man. and everybody always thinks you know oh where's your family care plan and i was like well family care plan doesn't cover just peeing in a cup it covers like field problems and deployments and you know yeah you know stuff it's not so like always, the 500 extra dollars in daycare it would take for me to leave them there for 10 minutes for me to come pee exactly yeah <laughs> so yeah because that shit gets expensive real quick <laughs> and so then were you and your wife able to you were in the same duty stations your entire enlistment? Yep. So I actually, she was at, uh, she was at Benning prior to me getting there. So she had already kind of established roots and got us a place to live. Cause I was back here in Missouri doing all the, you know, going to MEPS and making sure all of this is right. And all my shots are up to date and all this, you know? Um, so it was just a whole mess, but she kind of kept it down. And we just kind of, you know, you kind of do what you got to do in the military, you know, just yeah. in general, you know. Absolutely. So what year did you go active then? So I was 2013. So you so, did two years reserves and then eight active. Well, almost two years schooling because, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, so the uh, whiskey school is 16 weeks. And then your Mike six portion is 52 weeks. So it's a whole year. Oh, wow. So for a year, almost a year and a half, I was in active duty status under training. And then I came back, did reserve for a little under a year. I think it was like right at nine months. And then 2014, January went active. Okay. So you put some time in. <laughs> yeah. All the little, all over the place. So. <laughs> put some time in to get there. And then you got out in 21. Yep. So you got out kind of in as covid was on the downhill slide huh oh yeah when they well they mandatory made the vaccines and all that other craziness so 
we were in the height of COVID. I actually worked on the COVID ward when COVID first kicked off and we really didn't know much about it. And it was just crazy just to see the medical side of the, you know, the army usually lags behind with their technology and the medical, but it was kind of up to date and stuff was kind of ever changing. So you'd go to work one day wearing this and then be off for two days and come back and you're wearing a whole different, a whole different protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're the first one that we've talked to that served during the COVID era. He's our most recent. Yeah. He's our most recent veteran too. Mm-hmm. We talked to a lot of old salty people, mostly. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. You spent some time in the army. Do you have a great active duty story you can share with us today? Probably the one transition that I had from reserves to active duty. So I was doing everything from Fort Benning remotely with my uh, recruiter up here in Missouri. So Columbus, Georgia is where Fort Benning is at, but the nearest maps is Atlanta. So I'm in Columbus, Georgia, on Fort Benning. And they're like, hey, you got to go to Atlanta for MEPS. So I went in there, signed all my paperwork. Cool. And we're sitting in the the, ter- the terminal waiting to board the bus. And I'm sitting there talking to my wife. And I was like, hey, you know, I think they might have messed up my orders. I'm sitting there looking at it. And I'm like, I'm going to 30th AG. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's like basic training, like basic entry. And she's like, well, what do you mean? So then I had this guy and he couldn't have been no older than probably 17, 18. And he comes up to me. He's like, oh, like, that's where I'm going. Like, I'm going to 30th AG. I was like, dude, give me your orders. So like, I was looking at his orders. I was like, damn, it says the exact same. We're going to the exact same place. I was like, well, what's your MOS? And he's like, oh, I'm 11 Bravo. I was like, well, I'm a 68 Charlie. Like, why am I? Why am I going back to Benning in basic entry, you know? So we're, we get on the bus and we drive all the way in and I'm calling my wife cause we just moved to Fort Benning, Georgia. So I was like, well, I don't know where I'm at. So she's like, well, tell me what you're passing. I was like, well, I'm passing a whole bunch of flags. Like, I don't know where I'm at. She's like, well, I think I know where you're at. So we get in there, we pulled into the 30th AG entrance and I was like, I was like, babe, I got to go. There's a drill sergeant. He's got the brown <laughs> round. Like he's walking out. Like he looks like he's ready to fuck us up so i was like i gotta go i was like i'll call you whenever i can like i don't know when i can so he gets on the bus and i was like oh shit here we go again and everybody's sitting there talking they don't know what's coming but like i've already been there (laughs) and i just waited for the moment and he was like hey do i have any prior service on this bus and my hand went up so fast I said, right here, I'm prior service. I'm prior service. I've been here. I've done that. He's like, okay, well, when you get off the bus, uh, stand off to the side. So it was like me and like four other guys that were prior service. They were re-enlisting to go to like ranger school and all those other crazy schools. So I'm standing off there and they put us on these benches and it's just an open like auditorium. So we're all sitting there and like the drill sergeants are all walking around. They're looking at everybody. And I was like, everybody's sitting there talking. He's like, hey, shut the hell up, guys. You know, like, silence. Like, you know, I forgot what he even said. 
And so everybody's quiet until he leaves the room. Once he leaves the room, they start that low roar again. You know, and I was sitting there and I'm just in the back with like four other guys. And I was like, dude, you know what's about to happen? We're about to get dropped, you know. So he comes in, he's like, all right, everybody stand up, go to attention, like get out your blue books. And that blue books is like the the army's uh, Bible in basic. Like it tells you all basic marksmanship, like how to breathe, how to. You have one too. Basic yeah. movement, it's, like, it's called the blue jackets manual. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like. Well, shit, I don't have that. Like, I don't have that. I haven't had that in like a couple of years. Like, I've been out of basic. So I'm standing there just at attention in the back, me and three other guys. And he walks by and he kind of walks past us. And then he kind of like walks back a little bit. He's like, hey, soldier, where's your blue book? And I was like, uh, I went to parade rest because that's what you're supposed to do. And I was like, well, just sorry, I don't have a blue book, blue book. And he was like, the fear of God was about to come out of him. Like, where's your blue book at? And I was like, well, Drew, sorry, I don't have one. And like one of his other buddies come in and save us. He's like, oh, no, those are prior service. He's like, oh, dude, just just chill, just chill. So I lived in the barracks while my wife is like five miles away for like two, three weeks. I had to go through the I had to go through the immunizations again. I had to get my little eagle card, like had to get issued boots. And I was like, I already have all this stuff. So at the end of the two weeks, our senior drill sergeant is like, hey, Hughes, like you're getting stationed here at Benning. And I was like, well, yeah, senior, like my wife's, you know, lives up here. And he's like, oh, well, he's like, why didn't you say something? You could have been going home every night. So I'm sitting here mopping floors and cleaning latrines and all this other stuff for two weeks when I could have just opened my mouth. You're doing it at your own home, man. Like, 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 thanks for volunteering. (laughs) But I literally thought I had re-enlisted for like 11 Bravo. And I even told my wife, I was like, I'll I'll probably write you in a couple weeks. You know, like, I was like, I don't know what I messed up on. Like, I'll see you when I see you. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just hang on. I'll be six weeks tops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That was that was kind of, I didn't really have any deployment stories. I mean, we did a humanitarian mission to Puerto Rico when Maria and Irma rolled through, but I don't really ever count that as a deployment. So it kind of like is hard for me to still, even to this day, like openly say, Hey, yo, I'm a veteran because that's the first question that people are like, Hey, where'd you deploy to? Like, you know, so I kind of keep the rest harder. So I, because I didn't, well, if you listen, I don't know if you listen to our episode either. And I think, the Navy is the Navy, but when you're in the Army or the Marine Corps, you're expect you're expected to deploy. Like that's what people associate with the military is armies and Army and Marines and deployments. So I know for me what it was like being from the Navy. I know I I don't completely know because I wasn't army and not deployed, but I know what it's like to be in the military, not deploy, and then still want to say that you're a veteran. I mean, but with your job in the army, I'm trying to think of of the best way to say this without sounding like an asshole, not meaning to sound like an asshole, but like like you were, you were an LPN, like you were a nurse, like your job was in a hospital and how many hospitals do they have on the front line? Like not very many. As opposed to like 11 Bravo, where those guys are just pushed through like cattle, just like deployment, 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 where your job in the army was a little more refined and like, this is what you have to do. So 
I don't know if that makes you feel any better or any worse about saying that you're a veteran, but your job was still important. And the army needs people stateside to in that job in the medical field to make that happen. And especially to have to serve in the army in a hospital during COVID, like that's like being on the front line in general. Like that's, that's worse. I'd that might be worse deployment. than a deployment. <laughs> Absolutely. So don't don't discredit your service by feeling like you're not a veteran because you didn't go to Afghanistan or Iraq because you were here in a support role, like supporting those people that had to go over there. I was like, I, I served in a hospital in 2020. Yeah. They'll be like, <laughs> say no like, more. Oh, <laughs> 100% PTSD right here. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did the day after I got out, I wore, I got all the, you know, I'm a proud army husband, like hoodies and everything. Like, cause my wife was still active duty. I was like, oh, yeah. you, you went straight to Penda mode. Rank, like, you know, everything. <laughs> like, I was into it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But um, my point to that is that, like, don't discredit your service and and not feel like you're a veteran because you were you weren't forward deployed like maybe an 11 Bravo would be because there's so many more billets stateside for the job that you were in, as opposed to a job that is they need 100,000 people boots on the ground, but they also need someone stateside for those boots to come back to. So. I mean, we were in field hospitals, which is like the modern day mashes, but I always missed, I, I missed the, you know, the surge in 01 because I was still in high, I was still in, I think I was still in middle school. Yeah. So a little too young to join. Nice. And and then I always PCS and then our unit came up with orders like a year later. So I just kind of always like, I guess wrong place, wrong time or right place, right time. I don't really know. I mean, I don't know how much different I would be if, you know. Yeah, you would join in like 0102. I mean, everything happens for a reason, I guess. So Absolutely. Yeah. Eventually, though, you have to get out. And like you just touched on, you became Dependa status proudly really fast. (laughs) Did you happen to put the bumper sticker on your car that says you will address me by my wife's rank? I did not. I did not. But I had a uh, a shirt and it was like my wife wears combat boots. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I had like the yeah, like I was going to be like the FRG leader, everything like I was ready. I love I every ready. bit of that. <laughs> so, but I, I, didn't, I, didn't, of that. I didn't. I went back into the work. I went back into the workforce when I got out and um, been in it ever since. All right. So how was your actual transition from being active duty to entering into the the civilian side of life it was dog shit the (laughs) the the military transition like nobody talks about getting out of the military everybody wants you to join but like when you start talking about getting out like you have e7s and e8s like why are you getting out you can't make anything on for yourself on the outside this is the only way um so all the sfl taps like most of the time i would put it on speakerphone and go do stuff around the house. Cause at least I didn't have to go to work during that time. So it was kind of like a week off. So um, you guys did taps from home. Cause it was, because the, it was COVID. COVID. Yeah. Right. So, so you had to actually do taps from like home Zoom or zoom, but you couldn't have audio on or video on. So most of the time I would just sit there with it on speaker. And then when they did like roll call, they'd be like, Oh, it's specialist Hughes here. I'd be like, yep, here. Like, yeah. you know, 
across the house. Then it was even less effective for you than it was for those of us that had to go sit through the week of it, which was still ineffective, but. Oh yeah. The resume writing stuff. It was a joke. Like it was a straight up joke. Um, I mean, I just wrote it just to have something to turn in. But then when I sent it to my sister, my sister's a social worker for um, here. She's like hires and fires everybody in this area, pretty much in a big company. So I sent it to her and she pretty much just rewrote the whole thing for me. Like, <laughs> so, I got you. <laughs> yeah, She's like, that. no, that's not how they write it anymore. <laughs> like, And I was like, well, this is how the guy told me to write it. You know, I think my resume, my post-military resume was the hardest document I ever had to write. That's because everything that we did doesn't easily translate into the civilian world at the level we did it at. Mm -hmm. Have you supervised people? Yes. At 20 years old, I was controlling airplanes. Like I had people's lives in my, you know, there was never, how do you put that in a resume when you're 24? Right. For the civilian world to to say and then in addition to like your main job like how do you put the rest of that bullshit into a resume that the civilian world can understand like the leadership and the management skills and the whatever else we had to do that all these employers are looking for but you can't be like oh i was a first line leader what does that mean right i don't know what that means I knew what that meant when I was in the service, but now, yeah, like I, (laughs) I, that's, you know, that's scheduling, that's managing people. That's all that stuff, writing a watch bill, but no one knows what a watch bill is. Right. Or like we used a dance card where we were managing air traffic control positions and different things. And that's what we called it was a dance card because we moved positions every two hours. So it was like, you're dancing all day long. And so you can't put that on a resume. They're going to be like, and then even interviewing. For, for that matter, you go to an interview and they're looking at you like, what's what's your best accomplishment? Like my first interview out of the Navy was a train wreck, train wreck. And I was interviewing for, and I will never forget it because it was these two like salty looking biker ladies. Like they scared me, <laughs> like they scared me. And it was for a bus company in the Phoenix metro area to dispatch for them because I was like well I can dispatch buses I've been controlling airplanes for 10 years and dispatching planes for 10 years you know I can dispatch buses no problem like I was probably the best candidate for that job I had no idea how to sell myself to let them know that so they're like what's the coolest thing you ever did and I'm like well I managed the president coming to visit (laughs) and they I think they thought I was lying I don't know it was kind of a weird thing to say (laughs) I was like president of dignitaries, like that's what we did at North Island as a airfield manager type position was we had to manage the Secret Service and the aircraft coming in and make sure the flight line was ready and all this other bullshit that you have to do as like a 25 year old human that you should never be doing. And you get out and you try to like explain that to non-military people. And I, I honestly think they thought I was lying. Needless to say, I did not get the job, but you know, it is what it is. Well, then mm-hmm. you can't put too much on it if you try to write your whole. If you try to write your whole career on what you did, then you have right? a novel, one and then page. nobody's gonna read through that. Yeah, you get one. Yeah, page. and you got to figure like, out how to do it all in one page. And so yeah. that was it. It was probably the hardest document I ever wrote. One hundred percent. Now I'm having 
like trauma flashbacks. flashbacks. Yeah, definitely. Those ladies were scary as shit too. So not only was I like scared for my first post-military interview and I was like in a position where unemployment hadn't kicked in because whatever they couldn't verify my income. And I'm like, you can Google it. Like, why can't you verify my income? And then my unemployment didn't get approved until six months after I had a job. And it took me four months to get a job. So like when I was interviewing, I was under so much pressure because I was like, I need to work. (laughs) I was, and the way I got out was unexpected, I guess a little bit, like it was not planned. So uh, I was not prepared. So that was tough, but I knew I was getting out, and I wasn't prepared. Yeah, so it doesn't. I was I was med boarded out, and I still mm-hmm. wasn't prepared. Like, right? Yeah, I don't think anyone is ever prepared. Very. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Our I think Erin was pretty prepared to get out. <laughs> that girl has her whole life planned. She always has. I, mean, I, will, say I, had a, I will say I had a job lined up. Thank shout out to my sister because she wrote the best resume. Mm-hmm. I had a job lined up before I exited the military. So I was double dipping on active duty terminal leave. Oh, that's nice. Civilian pay. So the, that paycheck was nice. Yeah. The <laughs> so. only, I think the only thing that saved me from completely like becoming a homeless veteran essentially was that I sold back a ton of leave when I got out. So I had a little bit of a nest egg. But if I wouldn't have had that, like if I would have wasted all, not wasted, but used all my leave prior to getting out and I wasn't able to sell it back, like, I don't, I don't know what I would have done, honestly. Because then I was applying at places like Walgreens and some of these. I to McDonald's. They want yeah. to hire me. No, they're like, you're too qualified. Too why are you even applying for this job? And I'm like, cause I need a job. That's why (laughs) you think with this resume, if I'm applying to work for you, like I need a job. (laughs) I have exhausted every resource needed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the only reason I got a job was because I just got frustrated one day and I like vented it all out on Facebook when Facebook was still pretty new. And uh, I don't even know what I said, <laughs> but a girl that I went to high school with was like, hey, we're hiring where I work. I can put in a good word. And randomly, I interviewed with a retired Air Force pilot. And so the interview turned more into aviation than business. And so thankfully, I got that job and then I was able to work there. But it was still crap money. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, was, it was money coming in. So I was like, all right. And I was in there with a bunch of kids that had just graduated like tech college, like audio video nerds. <laughs> what did I get myself into? I don't, and they were young too, like 21, 22. So is your wife still active duty? No. So she medically retired this past December. So it's been about a year. So she just, just got out. Yeah. Just, just got out. And um, gonna need to come on an interview. Yeah, she, she, yeah, I know. I told her. I told her. I said. Yeah. I told her last night. I said, "Hey, I got a uh, interview for a podcast for veterans." And she's like, "Wait, what?" I said, "Yeah, there's <laughs> veterans drinking vodka. These girls just drink mixed drinks and talk about military life. You know, like, and usually it's like some crazy concoction. Usually, yeah. it was a little tame." I know. We'll have I'll, to spice it up for when she comes on. I'll, I'll get we'll better. Get special drinks just for her. I got, I got some things brewing. So 
Amber, we actually missed. You know what though? He didn't serve on the East Coast or the West Coast. Yeah, that's why I didn't. I was all East Coast. I was all East Coast. Yeah. I was born on the East Coast. Yeah, so that's all. I've You're never like even been Central. You're like Georgia, Missouri. Georgia's in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. We're like at 45 minutes from Myrtle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was do East we even Coast. Count, do we even count Myrtle Beach as East Coast, though? Or is that like Florida? Yes. <laughs> it's on the Atlantic Ocean. I've never been west of Missouri. So, you know, I've never, oh, even, never even seen your heart. Texas is the most miserable state and I will drive around Texas for the rest of my life and never go back through it. I, I'm, I got it. But, 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 but that's where I met my wife. So good things do come out of Texas, but there's no need for yeah. me to go back to Texas. Yeah. Like I don't ever want to leave. Amber is a, what do they call them when you come into Texas? My brain is not working today. Transplant. Amber is a transplant into Texas. But you would think that she was born and raised there. Well, let's cheers to uh, Brad's wife. What is her name? Tiffany. Tiffany. Let's cheers to Tiffany. Cheers, Tiffany. Cheers. cheers. Well, if you would like to contact Amber or myself for any further questions or for any reason at all, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. You can also email us at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com or check out our website, veteransdrinkingvodka.com. In case anyone was confused about who we are. Everything is Drinking Vodka. Like Amanda said, you can reach out to us pretty much anywhere. And we would love to hear from you if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast and telling your story. You can send us an email or a direct message. All right, Brad. So you're newly out. You struggled with your transition a little bit, but you seem to be staying above water. How are you doing now? So it was rocky, but I got out of the medical field because I'm just burnt out. So this past January, I left my job that I got when we first moved up here. So I went about three months there and I was like, nope, I can't do it. Not even on the civilian side. The military just kind of ruined me. So back in April, my brother-in-law, my sister's brother is staying with us. And we decided one night, or my wife's brother. Sorry, I don't know what I said. Um, so we started a construction remodeling business and have been doing that ever since. So oh, that's fun. Yeah, so I went completely 180 uh, off the medical field to working on people's houses, and and we're yeah. doing good. Yeah, we're booked out for a couple months, and just keep on keeping on. And can you I include guess. that contact information so that we can put for the company, and we can put that out? Yeah, we're uh, on Facebook. Yep, so I'll send it all to y'all. Yeah, send us some yeah. info. That's really mm-hmm. the only platform I'm on. So us two really anymore. <laughs> it's yeah social media is so time consuming we've uh brought the podcast back but we're we're lacking on the the social media marketing side of things but we'll get there maybe or we'll just keep putting out podcasts and then eventually we'll grow to something special but <laughs> yeah, social, special we are already special like you guys are you guys yeah. are <laughs> yeah <laughs> We're something, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs>
So no, do you have any regrets about leaving and doing a complete 180 move? Out of the medical field? Yeah. No, not really. Because I've, 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 kept, I've kept my license up to date because all I do is got to pay like a fee every two years. So I've kept it up just in case, just in case, you know, something ever yeah. happens and we put the business aside and, you know, I got to pay bills and put kids through college and stuff, you know, but, um, but no, I don't, I, at first I did. Cause I missed like the, the bedside relationship you get with families, but I kind of get that when we're in people's houses working for several days in a row. So it kind of fills that void, but yeah, no, I don't really, not really anymore. Now that the money's a little bit, better, you know, pretty good. So now that it's supporting you. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So do you have any advice that you can give either those that are already veterans or those that are preparing to transition out of the military? Um, Find you a mentor in whatever field or somebody that got out. If you don't, if you're unsure about what you want to do post-military, find somebody that's already gotten out and gone through the process before you go through the process. Cause I think there's a lot of stuff that I learned on the back end after talking to people. If I would have just asked those questions on the front end, I could have like set myself up a little bit better. So whether you want to get into the construction business, find a mentor in that business that could kind of guide you because everybody will give you advice, but all you have to do is just ask. Um, so uh, really? that's my best advice Just find a mentor in whatever field you want to get into, whether it's cosmetology or you know, you want to open up your own business, find somebody that's been there, done it and learn the hard way. So you can have a little bit easier of a path. That's really good advice. That is really good advice. I wish I would have done that. Same, <laughs> <laughs> but I have mentors now. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of tell me like, Hey man, y'all should be doing this because I was doing the same thing you're doing, but it'll, you know, speed up the business growth or it'll speed up, you know, the turnover on jobs or, you know, just little tidbits of advice. Cause then one day somebody's going to come to me and say, Hey man, how did you do it? And I'm going to give them all the advice in the world because I want their. So if you help out the next person in line by the end of it, it makes it easier for everybody. Cause you know, you get to look back and you get to say, Hey, I had a part of that, which turned into this, you know, so that's pretty cool. And really we do the same thing in the military. Like when we're in the military, there's, you know, if you're trying to be at a certain level, you're like, Hey man, how'd you get there? And they're like, Oh, yeah. oh this is what I did. Let me teach you the way. And then this is either, the way. Yeah, this is the way. <laughs> and then you can either do it or not, or you know, you can stay where you're at or you can keep pushing forward, but the information is out there. So I like it. All right. So if our listeners wanted to find you, uh, if they were curious about your story or if they had questions about your business or really for any reason at all, where can they find you? On Facebook or they can have my numbers if you guys want to give them to them. Um, but Facebook, it'll be a picture of my four kids and you can add me, message me really any time of day, night. We pretty much have our phones on us because that's how our business runs through Facebook Messenger and text messages and calls. Or on our business page on Innovative Interiors. And I'll send you guys the link for that as well. Um, Perfect. So we will put your Facebook link and your business link into the show notes. So if anyone would like to contact Brad for any reason, you can find him at those two locations. 
All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion. Goodbyes and thank yous. Goodbyes and thank yous. If I don't put those in the notes in a specific order, we forget them. And we'll be talking for like 12 hours. Yep. <laughs> so, Brad, well, thank you I- so much for for coming out here and for reaching out and saying, hey, I like your podcast and yes. accepting our invitation to come share your story. Yeah, y'all keep doing what you're doing and know that you guys are making a difference even though you don't feel like you're making that difference or even though you don't see the difference day by day. You guys are helping by either talking directly to people and giving their story or giving them an outlet or resources from other podcasts that people have put out there for somebody that needs those mental health or substance abuse or whatever they're going through, giving them avenues to kind of help them along. Yeah. A place to start. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate all of it. And as always, the reason why Amanda and I started this podcast was to not only share veteran stories and to network with other veterans, but to bring about the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans Drinking Podcast. Cheers.